Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. For the last uh, 23 years that Jody and I have had relationship with this house, the last 11 we've been as, as pastors, uh, I've never had my dad come and speak here. We've honored the fathers of this house. We've honored the history of this house. But I felt led of the Lord that we're supposed to honor my father for him to come. There's something that is significant. The Bible says he's returning the hearts of the children to the father and the hearts of children to, to, to hearts of children to their fathers. That there is this connection. When the, the younger honor the older, the older leave a blessing. How many know it's a kingdom principle? It's a kingdom thing. I believe today it's by God's design. He wants to impart on this house as we step into next future, into what God is doing into this moment. It is my honor to have come preach here. It's a significant thing because he doesn't leave Harrisburg where he preaches regularly. So I know it's a big deal that he would say yes and come. And so today, would you please help welcome and honor my dad, Terry Lamer, as he comes to share the word this morning in Uniontown. Love you. Praise the Lord. He's good. Amen. Come on. If you believe that, give him a great praise in this house today. God, we thank you. We magnify your name. And I believe that God wants to bless this house. I believe that with all of my heart. And as Jason said, I don't come here lightly. I can count on my one hand how many times I've left my home church to preach somewhere else on a Sunday morning. It's a privilege to be here. And I wouldn't have come if I didn't believe that God wanted me to be here. And he has a message for this house today. I want to share a message with you entitled, Relationship Plus Obedience Activates Faith. And I want you to know that every one of us have faith in this house. This is a house filled with faith. And it's faith assembly, right? So you've got to live up to your name. And so this is a house filled with faith. And I've got good news to you, for you. Everyone in this house has faith. Now, you might think you have little faith, but I want to encourage you to understand that you have faith. The question is whether you've activated that faith. Every one of us are in this house. And so the relationship plus obedience activates faith. If you're physically able to stand, I want you to stand for the reading of the word as we honor God's word. Reading from two portions of scripture, if you have your Bible or your mobile device, whatever you use, Matthew 22, verses 35 through 40, then I'll be jumping to 2 Kings uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. In that scripture in Matthew, says one of them, an expert of the law, tested him with this question, and the one they're testing is Jesus. I've never figured out who in the world tests Jesus. Why would you even give Jesus a test? But they, they didn't know who he was. So when you don't understand the relationship with who you're talking to, you do a lot of crazy things. You understand what I'm saying? And so the Bible says, they ask him, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hinge on these two commands. Every, everything else hinges on those two commands. Loving the Lord with everything within you and loving your neighbor as yourself. 
At the beginning of the year, God usually gives me a theme for the year, usually gives me a verse for the year. At the end of last year, the beginning of this year, this was the verse that God gave me for this year. And he's spoken to my heart very, very clearly. If you want to walk in my power, then you need to love me with everything that is within you. Because love is a key ingredient. Jesus operated in love. He was, he was a conduit of the power of God, and he operated in faith. If you're going to operate in the power of God, then you've got to love me with everything that is within in you. If you are going to walk through the doors of promise that I've destined for you, and I'm telling you in this house, God has doors of promise destined for every one of us that we need to walk through. And if you're going to walk through those gates or those doors of promise, you're going to have to love one another as, as, as yourself. Now, Jesus said this in another place of scripture. He says to love one another. I thank God for that scripture. That's a cool scripture. But Jesus doesn't stop with that statement. He doesn't say just love one another, but he says love one another as I have loved you. Why couldn't he just stop with the first part of that, to love one another? Because then I can figure out how I want to love you. But the Bible says that he, we are to love one another as I have loved you. And I think about times that I was not, I was not lovable before I came to know Jesus. And there are times even after after I have come to know Jesus, that I've not been very lovable. How many can raise a hand and say, that's me? Amen. And we thank the Lord. That means that we need to do a better a job at, at, at relationships with one another. I'll connect these for you later. Now, the next part of the scripture is the second King scripture, verse four. And I love this story. It's a story about the wife of a man from the company of the prophets. And she cries out to Elijah, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know, that he revered the Lord. This is a man that loved the Lord. He's died. He's left his family. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me what's in your house. Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Elisha said, go around and ask your neighbors for empty jars. Now, how many think that's a little bit peculiar, right? you got a big need, and all the man of God tells you to do is collect empty jars. And then he says, don't ask for a few. Now, that's key because he says, go collect empty jars, but don't just ask for a few because the, the quantity of what God wants to give you is in the detail of what he tells you to do. He didn't say, and sometimes we get, we get the first part of it, Go collect jars. Well, go collect three, two or three jars, but he said, don't collect a few. Say that with me. Don't collect a few. <laughs> then Elijah told her, go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another jar. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt. You and your sons can live on what is left. Father, I thank you for the reading of your word. Even as we read the word of God, we know that it's always anointed, and it begins to stir the atmosphere in the room. 
I thank you, Lord, that you would anoint my lips one more time this morning as we speak to this great group of people that have gathered in this house and online today. We thank you, Lord, that you would minister to us and help us. We thank you, Lord, that you would anoint our ears to hear this word. I pray that you would anoint our hearts to receive the word. And Father, we pray, Lord, that you would uh, anoint our, our minds to process the word. And as we leave this place, we pray, Lord, that we would receive this word in a way that will impact our lives, not only in this house, but in our house and in every area of, of uh, influence that we have. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. As you're seated, look at someone and tell them, you have faith. You have faith. And I, I want you to believe that because it's true. You have faith. And you even need to have faith in order to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. You need to have faith in the word that is preached when you accepted Christ. So when you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were acting on faith. And you came into a relationship with the one who can do more than you can even ask or imagine. And so we thank the Lord today that right relationship is important if we're going to operate in faith. As indicated in Matthew 22, as I read for you that word that the Lord gave, gave me the beginning of the year, we need to operate in right relationship with God, but also in right relationship with one another. And this morning, God wants to activate, activate that faith that you have. It's not a question as to whether you have faith. You have faith. Every one of us in this room, from the, from the youngest child to the oldest adult, has faith. But our faith must be activated. If you have high grass and you have a good-looking lawnmower, but you don't activate the lawnmower, how many know it doesn't do much good in cutting that grass? When you came out of your house today, you got into your car, and the first thing you did in that car was to activate your car. You, you understand that whenever you're in the heat of summer, you're thankful for air conditioning that's in the church. The, the air conditioning was activated. You're activating the air conditioning in your car. Just, uh, just sometimes, not too many years ago, they started giving you new bank cards whenever uh, there was no need to give you a new bank card. I had one that was working perfectly. Perfectly, I'd go to the ATM, I'd get money out, I paid for gas and all that kind of thing with this gas card, but I got a notice in the mail one day, they sent me a new card, and I'm thinking, I never asked for a new card, but they sent me a new card. On the, on the card was a, was a sticker that said, in order to activate this card, you must call 1-800-YOUR-BANK. And so they, they, they realized, I'm thinking, I don't need to activate any card. The one that I'm using is very, very good. And a lot of places have ca caught on to that. This is a Boscov's card. It had the same thing on it as well. You need to activate this card. Well, for me, I, you know, sometimes we know better than anything else, right? So I didn't activate the card right away that came from my bank. And one day I went and put it in the ATM and it declined giving me any money. I said, I know there's money in there. I know I've got money. I know I've got, got money in the bank, but I did not act activate the card. It wasn't a question of whether I had the money there. It wasn't a question whether it was mine. The, the thing that mattered was that I had not activated the card that would withdraw what was in there. I'm telling you today that right relationship and obedience will activate your faith. You have faith. This room is filled with faith today. And we thank the Lord for that. If you believe that, give God a great praise in this house today. He's an awesome God. In this account of the woman 
in, uh, in 2 Kings, there were three ingredients which act activated her faith. And I love this story. This woman is in a financially difficult time of her life. But the same ingredients that activated her faith to see a financial miracle are the same ingredients that activate faith for phys physical healing or re relationship restoration. And let me say about relationship restoration, it's something we don't do well in the church. Over my years of ministry, I've seen many, many times that relationships that have gone on for 10, 15, 20 years. They're just moving right along. And then something simple happens. Somebody didn't do something they should have done, could have done, wish they would have done, whatever the case might be. And everything that was put into that relationship for the last 10 to 15 years just stops like that. And it's something that the church needs to, to, to learn to do a whole lot better, to realize that there are times that we need to allow there to be uh, relationship restoration and we need faith in order for that to happen because the reality is that we understand that in relationships we become vulnerable when we are in relationships with people outside of this house as you as a church reach out and to do uh, amazing things in the community there's a vulnerability that comes with that but without stepping out we do not activate the faith and so we need to understand that relationships are so important when you leave here today Day, you're going to understand how important relationship is if we're going to expand the kingdom of God and fulfill the great commission because ultimately that is what Jesus gave as his last word to his disciples and to his church to go into all the world to, to preach the gospel, to make disciples and to bring as many as will come into the kingdom of God. It's not about us, it's about him and those that have never heard the gospel message. When we come into the kingdom of God, we need to begin to understand we make a sacrifice. We give our life away. We need, to, we need to remember the songs we sing. Not too long ago, there was a song that said, I give myself away. Uh, it's, my life is not my own. To you I belong. So I give myself, I give myself away. If I was in my home church, I'd sing that for you a little bit, but the worship team did such a great job. I don't want to knock everyone offline that's online right now. So we thank the Lord for relationship, all that he's doing. I give myself away. To you, I belong. So I give myself, I give myself away. This woman, she activated her faith. She was in a desperate situation. Her husband had died. And though he was a man who revered God, somehow he had amassed this enormous debt so much that creditors were going to come and take her sons from her and make slaves of them until the debt was paid. Now this was a difficult situation in this time because without those sons this woman had no way of making a living for herself. She would become destitute, she would become homeless. I tell people all the time I'm so glad that I live on this side of Jesus. That should be true especially if you're a woman. You should thank God that you don't live on this side of Jesus. You live on this side of Jesus because I, I read the Old Testament. The Old Testament's important, but I don't comprehend the way they thought a lot in the Old Testament. Some of the stories, I don't have time to, to use examples, but, but we need to understand that in the Old Testament, women were no more than possessions. They were no more than commodities. No one has set women free in the, in the, in the history of this world more than Jesus had. This is a time that God has set the people of God free, every one of us, to follow after what he wants us to do. You see how important relationship, they didn't have, have right relationship in the Old Testament. 
but from the time of the beginning, God has been trying to move the people of God into this right relationship, into the destiny he had planned from the beginning of the world. We are lucky enough to be living in this time, and we need to allow that relationship to flow in us, a relationship with the Father, but we need to do a better job at loving our neighbors as ourselves and loving one another as Jesus has loved us. So this woman is in this situation. Her sons are going to be sold for the debt that her husband had amassed, and, and, and this would leave the woman uh, with a hopeless situation and, and no one to provide for. She needed a lot of help, and there was no conceivable way she could pay the debt. I heard as we were ending the worship that, that the challenge was given. Maybe you think there are things that are impossible in your life. I'm telling you, we sang the song. Don't tell me he can't do it. Don't tell me he can't do it in your life. If he could do it in the life of this woman in the Old Testament, he can do it in your life in the New Testament. I'm telling you that you are a church that is privileged to be alive in this day and hour because we don't have to go to a prophet to get the word. We've got 66 books of the Bible that God has personally given to us to understand his destiny that he has for every one of us. He's a great God. If you believe that, give him a great praise in this house today. He's an awesome God. So this woman needed a lot of help. The first thing this widow did was to ask. She made right decisions. She, she asked. Well, the Bible says that, that those that uh, ask, they'll receive, seek, you'll find, knock, and it'll be opened unto you. When you take the first letter off of ask, seek, and knock, A-S-K, it spells. You all are smart people, it spells. And come on, you know the answer. Ask, ask, ask. This woman went to the, to the prophet and, and knew the source was God, and she simply asked. She didn't throw up her hands and give up. She looked up to the source, which would meet the need that she had. The first decision was to go to Elijah, the man of God. She knew God was sovereign, all-powerful, and that he cared about her situation. She knew God was her source. God may use anyone and anything as a conduit for blessing in your life. He may even use your job, your paycheck, maybe people around about you, but your source is always God because at any given time, your job can change, your, your lo location can change, but God never changes, so when you realize that your life and the things of your life are not your source, but they're only tools that God is using to meet your need and that God is your source, then regardless of what the economic position is in your life, you can stay focused and faithful. God blesses faithfulness. There are people that talk about that God blesses faith, but I'm telling you that what God really blesses is faithfulness. Because if you're going to be, if you have faith, you will remain faithful no matter what the situation is. This woman remained faithful. Her husband somehow had amassed this, uh, this uh, insurmountable debt that she couldn't pay. But she was going to be faithful to God. She wasn't going to give up. She was going to look up to the source. She was going to say, here's my situation. It looks impossible. But I know I serve a God that does the impossible. Don't tell me he can't do it. Don't tell me that he can't move a mountain today. Don't tell me that he can't bring to pass what his word says in this day and hour that we're living. 
living in. And so he look, she looks to the man of God. Now, God uses tools to meet needs in your life. And we see that principle all throughout the Bible. It was shown in Elijah, who was Elisha's teacher. God used a little brook. You remember there was a famine that came on the land. There was a brook that was, uh, was running, and he told Elijah, go beside the brook. You'll have water there, and I will send ravens to you to feed you every day. That was true. But the, but the Bible also tells us there came a time that the brook was going to dry up. The brook was not the source. The ravens were not Elijah's source. The source was God, and God's source never runs out. The brook dried up. The ravens stopped coming, but the source wasn't dried up. And what God told Elijah was that I want you to go to Zarpath because there you're not only going to be blessed, but I'm going to bless a woman in that town as well that's going to get through this famine with you. He went to Zarpath, found the woman that didn't have a whole lot. He was asking for water. He said, by the way, bring me a cake. She says, I only have a little bit of, 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 of ingredients to make a cake for my son and I, and we're going to die. And Elijah said, God doesn't have death on his mind for you. God's got life on his mind for you. And he said, go make me a cake first, and then take, of, take the rest for your son and yourself. And her obedience, the relationship with the prophet and her obedience to the word of God brought her and the prophet and her son through that famine until rain would come upon the land. It did not rain for three, three years. Elijah's source was not the brook or the ravens. The ravens in the brook were, not, were simply working for God. When we understand this principle, we'll learn to immediately go to the true source and we'll make right decisions. You see, her first, her first thing that activated her faith was to make the right decision. With my debit card, I made the wrong decision. There's no need for me to activate, call this number, waste my time. I've got too much to do. And there came a time I stuck that thing in the ATM machine and it didn't work because I made the wrong decision. Not because I didn't have money in the bank, not because it wasn't accessible, because I did not obey what would activate that card. You've got faith today. And your relationship with God and your relationship with one another and your obedience to God and his word activates that faith. The second ingredient that activated the widow's faith was that she was obedient to the word that came from the source. The woman did uh, what she could even though it seemed silly. Elijah calmly asked this woman what she had in her house. The woman said, well, the only thing I have is a jar with a little bit of oil in it. The oil would become the seed she would plant to receive the answer to her desperate situation. Elijah wanted this woman to recognize and realize something specific that her faith could, could be connected to. And some people might respond to, Elijah, I can imagine people today being offended when Elijah would ask the question, what do you have in your house? The woman could have responded with something like, Elijah, that's, that's just not fair. That's not fair. And she could have began to blame everybody, including God and her husband and even the prophet. She could, have, she could have blamed her husband for getting her in this situation. She could have blamed God for allowing the situation, but she didn't blame anyone. She looked to the source and looked for the answer that God had for her. She could have said to Elijah, Elijah, what do you mean? What do I have in my house? I don't have anything in my house. What do you think I'd come here for if I had anything? I wouldn't be talking to you today. What do you mean what do I have in my house? And how many times we get offended that's why Jesus said, be careful not to take up the offense. 
in all my times of ministry, I love the scripture in John 10, 10. The scripture says, the enemies come to rob, steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life to the full. I have never heard anyone argue with the first part of that scripture. They say, yeah, the devil, he'll rob you. The devil, he'll kill you. He'll try to destroy your life. But I don't know how many times I've heard people argue with the last part of that scripture based on what they were experiencing in their life at the present, saying, if he came to give me fullness of life, why am I going through what I'm going through today? And there, here's the key. You, you ask the question, and the key is in the question you ask, why am I going, what is the word? Through. The scripture in Psalm 23 says, even though I walk through, through the valley of sh- shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. And the key there is I'm walking. I'm actively going through. I'm not going to sit down in the valley of the shadow of death. I'm not going to, in the valley of shadow of death, that's another message. That was, that was a place of, it was a real place in, in the time it was written. And if you sit down in that valley, there can be oppression, and, and pretty soon you, the disappointment turns into discouragement. Discouragement turns into, into depression. And we need to understand that we need to keep walking through those things. We don't stand still in them. We walk through because the longer you you walk through a valley, you will get to a mountaintop every time. I've never seen a valley that I've walked through that I didn't get a mountain to a mountaintop sooner or later if you keep on walking. She kept walking. So she, she was obedient to the source. She didn't argue with Elijah. Instead, the woman presented her problem to the source and then respected and received the word that came back to her. We are responsible to do the same. In, in, the, in the church that I pastor, we encourage people every year to read through the Bible once a year. And you say, well, why are you holding your phone up instead of the Bible? Because I want to make the point that the Bible is accessible to us in a way that it's never been accessible before. The Bible, on this, on this little piece of equipment, every version of the Bible is accessible to me today. I can go to any one of the NIV, the King James, the, the message, whatever the case might be. The Bible has never been more accessible. The word from the Father has never been more accessible than today. The word from the source has never been more access, accessible today. But I would dare to say that 80% of most people in the American church never read the word of God on a regular basis. And their faith can't be activated. They got relationship with God. They love God with everything in their heart. They love the Lord. It's not a question whether they have relationship. But if that faith's going to be activated when you're going through a situation, I remember there were times when I was in school, and it was a long time ago. If you had a, a, a problem, you're looking for the answer, guess what you did? You looked it up in the textbook. You just didn't stand there like that. So I don't know the answer to that. And, and if you're doing that, guess what? You got an F. You failed. But if you were were smart enough, you would say, I don't know the answer, but the textbook has the answer. I'm going to look it up. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to look up, and I'm telling you that your textbook has all the answers to every situation in your life, and your God is ready to meet every one of your needs according to his riches and glory. That's what the scripture says. God is an awesome God. All God needs is for us to be obedient to bring the little to him. God uses little things to accomplish great things. Now, I want to talk about the relationship in this story. This woman had, had sons. And thank God that they had a relationship with their mother 
in a way that they went out and did something silly, even though it didn't make much sense. Now, let me, let me say to you, those sons didn't hear the word from the source. It was the, it was the mother who went to Elijah, and Elijah said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to have your sons go collect a bunch of jars. Don't collect a few. Collect as many as you can get. Go to your neighbors. Collect as many as you can get. Thank God she had a relationship with her sons that they listened to what she said. They didn't say, well, you know, mom's under a lot of stress. Dad just died. This is crazy. Let's go get her five jars and make her happy. They had a relationship with her that caused them to be obedient to what she asked them to do. And I want to say again, they did not, ask what the, they did not hear what the prophet asked, asked her to do. There are many, many times in Scripture that because of relationship, men and women of God have just done what they're supposed to do. I think about whenever the people of God marched around the walls of Jericho, there was only one man who heard the word of God that told them to march around six days, the seventh day to march around. There was only one man that heard that. It was Joshua. I'm thinking about whenever the people of Israel were crossing the Red Sea, those at the back of the line, when they're three million people, they can't see what's happening at the beginning of the line, and so they're having to depend upon what they're hearing from everyone else in relation becomes very, very important. I'm telling you that the God that we serve is a God that casts vision through the leadership of a house, and whenever he casts that vision, if we have relationship with one another, we will walk into the destiny of what God has for us. God is an amazing God. It is ultimately Jesus who is the head of the kingdom. I'm reminded many, many times that with that man Joshua, and, and I don't want to get off track too far because I have a tendency to do that, and you could be here till 1230, but I'm, I'm not going to do that to you today. But Joshua, you know, Joshua met this man. He's thinking about what do I do with this impossible situation, Jericho? And can I tell you, he was already in the promised land. He's already in the promised land. He wasn't getting into the promised land. He was in the promised land, but there was a Jericho he had to deal with. And he goes and he's thinking what to do in the night. There's a man with a drawn sword and Joshua says, oh my goodness, are you with us or are you with them? And I love the answer this man gave. The answer is Joshua, neither. I'm not with you and I'm not with them, but I've come as the captain of the Lord of hosts to lead whoever will fall in line with me and will accomplish what is needed to be done. I'm telling you, that is the same God that we serve today. Holy Spirit has been sent to lead us into the promises that God has for every one of us. But this woman, this woman had a relationship with her sons. God can work with something tiny and make it big. All God needs is for us to be obedient and bring the little we have to him. We need to believe and honor God's word that, that he gives to us. And, and then faith is released to receive God's promises. The widow was obedient. She didn't say, well, what's the use? There's no hope. She was desperate, and she needed a miracle. She could have blamed everyone, as I said, from God to her husband. But after she collected the jar, she began to pour into the empty vessels. And there's another part of this relationship thing. How many know she was told to go to her neighbors? But if your neighbors don't like you and you don't like your neighbors, you don't go ask for favors. You're not going to ask the guy two doors down to borrow his lawnmower whenever you just argued with him for the last three months. Good relationship is very, very important. And we need to understand that because God uses relationships to get us to where we need to be. 
This woman was obedient. She didn't say, what's the use? She has these jars. A miracle took place as she was obedient. She could have looked at the empty jars, and she looks at this little bit of oil. Some people believe it might have been a pint of oil. She's got all these jars lined up now, and she's looked at this little bit of oil, and she's thinking, no way. What's the use? It's all I got. Jars lined up. I'd like to imagine there were hundreds of them. Because the relationship she had with her sons, the relationship she had with her neighbors, they went down Main Street, they went down First Street, they went down Second Street, they went down every street they could and asked for as many jars as they could get. And I'd like to think there are hundreds of them lined up and she's got this pint of oil and she's thinking, no way. No way. God sometimes asks us what's in your hand. And he uses what's in your hand as a seed. There's a guy by the name of Moses. God said to Moses, Moses, what's that in your hand? He said, well, God, it's a rod. He said, Moses, throw it down. I'm so thankful I'm on this side of Jesus. Threw the rod down. You know the story, right? Turned him into a snake. That's bad enough. I don't like snakes. He throws it down. There's a snake slithering. He said, Moses, go pick it up. Oh, my goodness. He picked it up, and it turned back to a rod. It was a rod that he held over the Red Sea when the Red Sea parted. I'm telling you, sometimes God asks you what's in your hand. The little boy that Jesus used to feed over 10,000 people, the Bible says 5,000 plus women and children. He had a picnic lunch that mama had prepared for him. And many, many times we picture him bringing this lunch. Jesus, here's my lunch. I'm so glad to give my lunch to you. And that's not, that's not what happened. There are 12 big hungry men over here. And he's got some fish and bread, and he gives his fish and bread to 12 big hungry men who take it to Jesus. Jesus blesses it, puts it back in their hands, and they feed over 10,000 people because of a trust that little boy had enough in those 12 disciples to take it to the, to the, to the one that would bless it. You see, when you give in your offering today, you release it into the kingdom of God, and you trust stewards to take care of it. Sometimes we don't hear the voice from the source. You know, people will say something like, well, if God wants me to move, God's going to have to tell me. But sometimes I found out God wanted me to move when he told my father he wanted me to move. And my father wasn't saved until I was in ministry. And I'm telling you today that right relationship with people that are in authority, people that are in places to lead you are so very, very important. Right relationship with God and one another plus obedience to God will activate your faith. There's an activation of faith in this house. This is the house of faith. I thank the Lord for that. We thank the Lord for his faithfulness. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. Something that we don't want to overlook is that the widow had one part of the ingredient for the miracle in her house, the other half that she had she needed was outside of her house she needed the the help and cooperation of her neighbors Elisha told her to go and don't collect a few your relationship with God is important but so is your relationship with one another Dr. James Davis, I know he's a friend of mine. He's been in this house. He says many, many times in meetings I've been with him in, he says the shortest distance between two points is not a straight line, but a good relationship. In fact, the word of God confirms that in Proverbs 27, 10. It says, do not forsake your friend and the friend of your father and do not go to your brother's house when disaster strikes. Better a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. 
And I live four hours, three and a half, four hours away from Jason. If I've got a leak in my basement, he can't drive four hours and help me out. Better a neighbor close than a brother far away. Good relationships. And I found that to be true in the kingdom of God. There are places that relationships have taken me that nothing else. I could not buy my way to preach at faith assembly except that I have a relationship with your pastor. You understand what I say? You need to understand that. He would not be able to buy a way to, 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 to preach at Harrisburg First Assembly. But a couple of weeks ago, he came for the celebration of our 100th year anniversary, preached an amazing message in our Sunday night conclusion of that weekend of of, 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 of uh, of celebration and the Holy Spirit moved in a powerful way that night. God is a good God, but relationships will open doors that money can't open. Relationships will open doors to places and take you to places that money will never take you. It would have been a miracle. Let me, let me say this. It would have been a miracle if that woman, she took that jar. You ever see the Lowe's five-gallon buckets? And she had this pint of oil in one bucket because the... The sons are saying, you know, mom's under a lot of stress. Let's just get a couple of jars. You know, she pours, I'm imagining this five-gallon bucket. She takes that pint of oil and it fills up. That's a miracle. You have to admit that's a miracle. You take a pint of oil and fill up the five-gallon bucket, that's a miracle, but it doesn't get her where she needs to be. It might pay the rent for another month. It might buy her some food for her sons and her to live on. But God wasn't, wasn't looking for her to just have enough for today. He wanted a destiny for her where she was not going to have to come back to the same situation time and time again. We need to begin to understand that, that paying attention to the detail is so very, very important. Just don't get a jar when he said, don't collect a few. Get as many as you can get. And so she begins to pour. The quality of her miracle was determined by what she had in her house, her faith. But the quantity of her miracle was determined by what she, she had outside of her house, her relationships. And the same is true today. The final and third ingredient that this woman had to activate her faith is that once the blessing came, she applied the blessing to her life. In my years of ministry, I've seen people receive the blessing of God but not applied properly. Whenever the blessing came, all these hundreds of jars of oil are filled. They're all filled. And the only reason they stopped being filled was because there was no more emptiness. Whenever you're so filled with everything else, the blessing of God stops flowing in your life. But when you continue to empty yourself out to the Lord, you begin to empty yourself into the kingdom of God. The, the blessing continues to pour. Holy Spirit is never going to be bankrupt. Heaven will never be bankrupt. The blessing of God will continue to flow if we'll continue to empty ourselves. You see, there was no more oil once the emptiness. There was no more emptiness. But now she's got all these jars full. And she's good as, oh my gosh. Have you ever been in a church service and said, oh my goodness, the presence of God was there. There's an awesome presence of God. I heard that about Wednesday night. There was an awesome presence of God here in this house. And everyone went out. You know, I'm, and sometimes I go home from, from being away from the church and people say, an awesome presence of the Lord, Holy Spirit was here. And the first question I will ask is, what did he say? What did he say? 
because he didn't show up just to entertain you. He showed up to do something and to say something and to help you with something. What did he say? Sometimes we get caught up in the glory that we miss the message. We miss the detail of the message. I'm thinking about a time that Jesus went to the mountain of transfiguration. He took his disciples with him, and they were sleepy. The disciples had a problem with sleeping too much. They got tired a lot. They fell asleep a lot. And so they're drowsing off. They're waking up in and out of sleep. And all of a sudden, Peter's amazed. There he sees Jesus. His, his clothes are whiter than ever could be bleached. And there's the, the prophets with them, Moses and Elijah. And they're there, they're talking, and, and Peter says, we've got to make a tabernacle to honor you three. But he missed the message. What was the message, Peter? What were they talking about? I don't know, it was just great. Peter, what were they talking about? Do you know what they were talking about? They were talking about Jesus soon leaving planet Earth to go back to the Father, and Peter missed it because he was caught up in the glory instead of hearing the detail of the message. Sometimes we're caught up in the glory and we miss the detail of the message. And we say we just do enough. We get a couple of jars to keep it obedient, but we miss the fullness of the blessing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil. Now now she's got to do something active again. She could have seen all these jars here and be amazed and Creditors come haul her sons away while she's being amazed at the awesomeness of God's blessing. But the prophet said, you got to go sell that oil now. And then he said this, pay your debt. I've seen many people misuse the blessing of God. There have been times in my ministry that people have come into the church broken. They they come into the church hurt. They're broken in pieces. They don't have, their relationships are broken. Their marriage is falling apart. They're, they're, They're laid off. They need a job. They need resources. They come to church. God begins to pour in the blessing. They're empty. God's pouring in the blessing. And they get so full that soon I don't see them in church anymore. The blessing pulled them away from church. The relationship pulled them away from serving the way they always served. But she was told this. She said, he said, go sell that oil. And then he didn't say, go buy you some new dresses. Buy you some donkeys so people can see how much I blessed you. He said, I want you to go and pay your debt. And then you and your sons live off the rest of what is left. God is not a God of just enough. He is a God of more than enough. And he's got a more than enough destiny for you today. But it all starts with a relationship with Jesus. Are you in that relationship? If you're online, if you're a young person, mom or dad, grandma or grandpa, you never accepted Christ, I want to give you that opportunity today. I want to pray a simple prayer that we pray all the time. Every, every service I preach, every, every time I teach. A simple prayer that opens the door. I was so thankful when I came in the door. There was someone that opened the door and said, I'm so glad to have you at Faith Assembly. You see, we make it easy for people to come to the kingdom. So if you're here today, you've never accepted Christ, we're all going to pray this prayer with you today. We're going to give you an opportunity to come to this altar and profess your faith in Jesus Christ. Would you all pray with me? Dear Jesus, I thank you. That you love me so much. You came to this earth. 
went to the cross, paid the price for my sin. Today I repent of my sin. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And from this point forward, I put the rest of my life into your care and your control. Could I say, many times we miss the last part of that. I give myself away. When you accept Christ, you put the rest of your life into his care. He's a good God. But you also put the rest of your life into his control. And that's the part that we don't like because we like to be in control. And that's where we miss the blessing because it's right relationship with God, right relationship with one another and obedience to the word of God. I'm encouraging you today here at Faith Assembly to put your life in the rest of your life, whatever you have left into God's control, into his care and his control. Because I don't care how old you are, how young you are, God's got a plan and a destiny that's more than just enough for today. It's a destiny that's into the future. You might be here today and you find out that you have a need in your life. The quality of the miracle that this woman had was found in her house. She had faith in her house. But the quantity of her miracle was determined by what she did outside of her house, what her sons collected. And the same is true today. He's a God of more than enough. And I want to encourage you today that if you're here today, I want to ask the question. I know there are going to be people that will come and pray with you. I'm inviting you to come to the source today. And then when you come to the source, actually do what the source tells you to do. And as God begins to pour blessing into you, apply that blessing to your life that will expand the kingdom of God. Relationship plus obedience activates faith. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. I have a big imagination. I know your pastor has a big imagination. And I know that God can do, the Bible says, immeasurably more than anything I ask or imagine. I can't imagine enough that, enough that bankrupts God. I can't think big enough that it bankrupts God. In fact, God is insulted when we do not think big because he's a big God. When we only expect little things from God, it's an insult to God because he is a great God. He is a big God. Big for me, I like acronyms, says B-I-G, believe in God, believe big. And he says that this, he'll do amazingly more according to the power that is at work within us. And the scripture tells us the same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead is in every one of us today. It's in us today. And then he, and then he says this, he says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. I'm telling you today, the church ain't going nowhere until the rapture takes place. The church is going to be relevant. You're going to be relevant. Your faith is going to be activated because I believe that you're looking to the source. You're going to hear from the source. You're going to be obedient to the source. Your pastor's going to come. This altar is going to be open just for a moment.